When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Welcome to the Hotel Hell. Check-in time is now. Check-out time is never. It's Mike Shope. Does my room have cable? No. And the sheets are made of fire. Can't change rooms? Sorry, we're all booked up. Hell convention in town. And the Bulldog. Can I have a late checkout? I'll have to talk to the manager. You're not the manager, even in your own fantasy? I'm the owner. The co-owner. With Satan. It's Mike Shope. Okay. Just so I understand that in your wildest fantasy, you are in hell. And you are co-running a bed and breakfast with the devil. And the bulldog. Yeah, but I haven't told you my salary yet. Go. $80,000 a year. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Hey, welcome back. It's a... Interview I look forward to each month, each first Wednesday of each month. We're joined by Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast, an Odyssey original featuring the most notable names in MLB and all around sports every week. Hi, Brett. How you doing? Okay. So I want to tell you first, I was in Seattle for the first time in my life. I went to Seattle. We went on a cruise a couple of weeks ago. And one day, my family and I walk into a restaurant. And right there in the display is a picture of you and the 2001 Mariners. The last time you and I spoke, we talked about Lou Pinella and that team, and this was not very long after that. So I, I took a picture, and uh, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. That that team is still being uh, honored in a display at a restaurant right downtown. Yeah, and I got a chance to catch up with the team at the All-Star game. It, it was really cool. Uh, they had all the all-stars with the 2001 team, and there were eight of us and Lou. And um, we got honored before the all-star game on the field. And, you know, guys like Kazuhiro Sasaki, who I haven't seen since he went back to Japan, Freddie Garcia and Jeff Nelson and Edgar was there. And uh, we just wound up catching up with those guys. And, and for about 20 minutes, and I told the story, they put us kind of in the – in a uh, in the equipment room before they were getting ready to introduce us on the field, so we had about twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and I was sit- I got to sit there with Lou on the couch, and it was like old times. I'd kind of get him moving, give him a topic, and then he kind of entertain the room. And, <laughs> and Griffey was was there. It was just really cool, and, and it makes you kind of look back at, at those times and, and some real special times. I know in my career, but but in the history of Seattle Mariners, so yeah. Quite, uh, it's a cool thing. They feel they, about that old one team. You know, I, I think we'll never see a team, and probably in my lifetime, I won 116. And the only problem is 
the only negative connotation you hear around that team is we didn't finish the deal. Um, and, and to this day, we still bat that around. How could we not win the whole thing? But it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, nothing but good memories. Yes, that's actually the day I was there. Uh, the, we, we landed right as, as the All-Star game was being played. You couldn't really see in from the plane, but it was cool how, right. having never been to Seattle, the, the, the flight path took us like right over the city and then looped back around to land at SeaTac. And, uh, just a really, really cool moment. So, um, Glad to hear about that. I, I, I'm happy to have, have Lou Pinello be a topic every time we speak, Brad. I, I like hearing stories about him anyway. And I know from last time we talked how fond you are of him. Let's talk about the trade deadline yesterday. And I guess I want to start with, with Otani. Um, how do you feel about how the, the Angels played it here keeping him? Well, for me, you know, my original layman thought was you keep Otani uh, happy at all costs. And, and then I sat down with uh, an old friend of mine. He's my general manager in, in uh, Cincinnati. Jim Bowden now works for CBS Sports, and I had him on my podcast for the trading trade deadline special. And the first thing he came out of the the, the uh, out of the gate with was, Booney, this is going to go down. It's going to be the worst decision uh, the L.A. Angels in their franchise history have ever made. And I said, explain. And he said what they should do is they should have a, a meeting with Otani say, we're not a playoff team this year. We're not going to win the World Series this year. We're in the greatest package ever at a trade deadline. We're going to bolster our team and just give us first shot when it comes this offseason to re-sign you. So in, in retrospect, make the team a lot better and then sign Otani back. And it was really an interesting thing. Like, and he said, Boney, you know how you like as a player when we're honest with you and we're in cohesion, you know, we're very cohesive as a unit. I'm talking front office yeah. and player. It was a really a good point and, and something I didn't think about. I'm like, you know, that might be an idea. However, uh, when I was up there right before the trading deadline, I had heard Otani was uh, under no circumstances were they going to trade him at the deadline. A, you know, pretty complicated trade. What, what is the value? We've never seen anything like this. A guy that can pitch at an all-star level, that can hit at an all-star level. What's the trade package? I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start if I were the team coming in or receiving the offers. Like, how much is is enough for someone <laughs> this profound when automatically, if you get him, it changes the complete dynamic uh, of your team. You probably go from in the playoff hunt to World Series World Series uh, favorites in Vegas. So uh, it was pretty complicated. They ended up not going that route. They instead bolstered. They went out and got Giolito. They had... They got Crone from uh, Colorado, Richock from Colorado. So they went the other way, and they're kind of all in. And I think still they're four games out or, or five games out in the uh, wild card. Mm-hmm. They seem at this point to be going for it. Three and a half at the moment, yeah. I think they're losing today. But, um, you know, Brett, we have the Buffalo Sabres who have gone 12 years without appearing in the playoffs. You know, we had the Bills who went for many years. And it's interesting how – it feels like it can be different for a team on a drought like that, which is the Angels, where I, if I were an Angels fan, I can see maybe it's bad math, so to speak, but I, I want my team to add a couple of guys. You know, I want to get in one of these years, and six teams do now, so maybe it ends up biting you, you know, in the butt later on, but I, I respect what the Angels did. Oh, me too. As a player, you know, in that clubhouse, when, when ownership comes to you, when you... We, we talk about it all the time. We've got the guys right now, uh, the Atlanta Braves, uh, the Texas Rangers, teams like that. We know they're going to the postseason. 
Then you've got the flip flip side of the coin. You've got the Oakland A's, the Kansas City Royals. They know their season's pretty much over. But there's a whole bunch of teams in the middle. And I think this trade deadline, the way they've changed it, being the 1st of August, and after that there's no waiver wire, uh, once that trade line hit, deadline hits, you cannot make another trade till after the World Series. I think it's added a little intrigue to the whole process. It kind of makes you make a move two months before the season. It's like, you're in the middle. What are you going to do? I think it adds a lot of uh, intrigue and, and, and good conversation for not fans, but people about baseball. And it kind of makes you, it kind of makes you, you know, make a decision. Are you in? Are you out? <laughs> you don't know. You're up in the air, but I think the angels, uh, by doing that, they're, they're pushing their chips all in and say, we want to go for it. I think what the end result is thinking, if we get to that postseason, give Otani a little bit of a taste of what it's like, we've got a good chance to retain him. And by the way, everybody's talking about Otani. Where is he going to sign? Remember this. When he came over to the United States and started playing in the big leagues, he had his choice of a lot of places. And he chose Anaheim for a reason. So, obviously, there's something close to him that he wants to stay in Southern California. Now things have changed a little bit. It went from now he's an established superstar, and now he's kind of in that part of the square where, hey, I want to win. What gives me the best chance to win? Uh, there's going to be a lot of people going after his services this offseason. I don't think. May have lost uh, Brett. Obviously, you can tell the connection has been a little rough. Hopefully, we can uh, restore things. Angels three and a half out as we try to reconnect with Brett Boone. Uh, behind the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are the last wild card of the three at the moment. And I'll just say, because I didn't really need to say this to Brett, it's just like, with baseball so random in the playoffs, like, get in and Otani pitches for you. It's like, to me, it's it's different even than hockey, which can also be pretty random. But in hockey, like, if I'm around 500, I'm not thinking about the Stanley Cup probably. You know, I, I could be. Depends on what maybe my other other numbers look like. But a, a team three games out with fifty left feels like that's at least reasonable to uh, to push, which is what they did. Uh, and I did mention they are playing this afternoon, or did already play this afternoon, and lost to Atlanta twelve to five. They kind of got hammered there. So step back for the Angels. This is Mike Shope on WGR trying to reconnect here. With Brett Boone, who had kind of a tough connection as we were, as we were able to tell. There was a no hitter last night in the majors. Interesting with the Astros trading for Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, who is their best pitcher, at least before trading for Verlander, throws the 16th no hitter in the history of that franchise, which is the most since they've come into the, into the league, into existence, uh, at least 16th no hitter. In Houston Astros history, first completed by a left-hander. And he did it, like, very stylishly. Faced the minimum. One walk. And I don't know if it was a double play or a pickoff or whatever caused that runner to be uh, erased. But he only faced the, the minimum 27 batters, 93 pitches. They call it a Maddox when you throw, for Greg Maddox, when you throw a shutout and do so with with fewer than 100 pitches. And Valdez did that last night. So um thought that was interesting. 16th no-hitter for Houston. They had a a combined no-hitter at the Yankees. Um, this would be like almost 20 years ago now. 
that I remember driving home, Bulldog and I, or maybe it was just me, were on from peak and peak. And I remember listening to, I think we would have had Yankees games on in the evening on WGR in those years and listening to the Astros in what turned out to be a no-hitter against the Yankees that night on the drive. All right, we haven't been able to reconnect with Brett. Let's take a break and see if we can do that. Hopefully we can spend a few more minutes with him. This is Mike Shope on WGR. I'm Mike Shope. Welcome back. We think we have things worked out with Brett Boone here on the West Her Hotline. How you doing, Brett? Okay? We good? I'm real good. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> I'm in, uh, we, we, we had a little family dedication here. I had my phone out in the sun and uh, it overheated, but we're back. We're That's... back in action. All right. Um, let me ask you about with the trade deadline. So I looked up in your career. I see that if I have my facts right, I hope I do. You were traded three times in your long career, but all in the off season. Did you ever have a year where you thought you were being traded at the deadline or were you, you know, kind of wondering about it? What do you remember? I remember in 1998, I was thinking uh, at the trade deadline, you know, my name was kind of being bantered about uh, that one time. And then I remember as a young player and and, uh, the expansion teams were coming on the scene. And and I don't think it was just myself at that time. I think there was a, there was a bunch of us, you know, young players that thought, oh, are they going to, are we going to be eligible for that expansion draft? Are we, are we not? So there's two times where I kind of had that feeling, like kind of looking over my shoulder when I went to the ballpark. I was like, today, the day I'm going to be traded. But, but other than that, I, it was pretty, uh, I really didn't have that many times. I would be either under contract or not in a position where I was going to be traded at the deadline. So, you know, unlike the, the David Cones of the world, the Ricky Henderson near the end of his career, where it seemed like, Every year he was going to that, that team that was going to go to the World Series. Actually a pretty pretty exciting role to play. Uh, but, you know, other than the guys like that, the, the kind of the hired guns, Randy Johnson did at the end of his career. Uh, no, I never got the, the uh, thrill of, of being in that, in that genre and uh, getting dealt at the trade deadline to a pennant race. Was there a, a year or a time in your career that you remember where you would have wanted it? Probably 98. 98. Probably 98, the more that I think about it. Yeah, going Reds. to the Braves. But uh, I ended up I ended up going to the Braves uh, that offseason and, and got traded to them after the 98 season and played for the Braves in 1999. Got to go to my, my first and, and only World Series. So, yeah, that, right. that's about it. You know, I feel like it's, ever, it's sort of common sense to think about, like, a player being distracted by this when you get near the deadline. I mean, it seems like that would make sense. Um, what, what about sort of the, the way it works for players when it comes to be near the deadline? I mean, is it a real effort for some guys to block it out? I mean, I, I would think that it, it could, it might be for c- certain players. I think it depends on the individual. I, you know, I think it's how, how you're, how you're put together, how you're wired. You know, some guys it's going to affect more than others, but, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, most of the guys I played with, they're professional and they, and they get up and they know it's a, it's a, it's a schedule of 162 games, and you show up, and you go to the ballpark, and you play. Uh, yeah, it could be a distraction, but I think it strictly comes down to personality and then on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, a little bit of a distraction, but something kind of when you sign up for, for this to do this for a living, you know what you're getting into, and most guys handle it you know, in a very professional way. Right. With Brett Boone, I'm Mike Shope here on WGR. So I was saying in, in the interim where we were trying to reconnect with you, Brett, how we had a no-hitter 
last night in Houston from Framber Valdez. That's kind of interesting and fun timing with the Verlander trade, but here's Valdez, who's been their ace, pitching like a beautiful game, face the minimum. So I, I, I might have asked you this before, and I apologize if I did. Your career, your experience playing in no-hitters or what were close to no-hitters, how, how much of that did you have? I played, I, I was on the winning side of a no-hitter, Chris Bosio, early in my career. I believe it was 1993. And then I've never been on an opposing team that got no-hit. We've been close a couple times, uh, but I've never been no-hit by an opponent. Like I said, a part of one no-hitter is in Seattle, 1993. Uh, for Chris Bosio, it mm-hmm. was pretty cool. And, it, and it's everything you hear about. You know, do, do guys not talk to the pitchers, without a <laughs> doubt. Once you get to that fifth, sixth inning, and you kind of know that there's not a hit on the board, you kind of start looking around to your teammates. You know, and I remember Omar Vizquel was my, my shortstop that year, and I'd give him a look like, Omar, you know he's got no <laughs> hits, right? And, and kind of for a second you think, we got to D up, we got to put a little extra defense on top of our defense. But – uh, yeah, I've only been a part of, of one. I've been close on a couple. And like I said, on the flip side, uh, as an opponent, I've been close to getting no hit. There's there's nothing uh, you would hate worse as an offensive team than getting no hit. And uh, thankfully, I can say uh, a team that I've participated in <laughs> never got no hit. I wonder about the superstition point that you brought up, like with players not talking to the pitcher. Because there probably have been pitchers over the years that would have minded that, you know, like, come on, <laughs> just, yes, I know this is happening, but can you just got, can you just not get weird here? Can we just, you know, sort of right. be, be boys like we would do in a normal game? Right. Without a doubt. Once again, that's an individualistic thing. I mean, some guys, you know, how are you, how are certain guys wired? Certain guys come to the ballpark and they don't care that it's their day that they're pitching. They interact like it's any other day of the week. <laughs> and there's certain pitchers I played with throughout my career that on their day, it's almost like they're in a meditative sta- uh, stage right. where they just walk around. They don't want to be bothered. They're just very workmanlike, and, and they go to work once a week, and this is their day, and you kind of know to stay away from them. So it's all individual, you know. And, and as far as the no-hitter, just to be on the safe side as a position player, you just something you don't do. Now, if the pitcher <laughs> comes to you and says, hey, boom it. Lighten up. I know I got no hits, but I feel weird talking. Well, then of course I'm going to talk about it, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the one that crosses that threshold without the okay for my pitcher. I remember, by the way, I was around baseball 95 in Rochester around working for the, the Red Wings in AAA. And I learned that other lesson you mentioned the hard way, not talking to a pitch, a certain pitcher on their day. Like I just didn't really know that was a thing. I'm 22 or whatever I was. And like, yeah, no, no, don't talk right. to Kevin. He's pitching tonight. So just, you know, some, and some guys are different. Like, you said, but not not everybody was. So well, I think it's a, I'll tell you what I, I think it's a little strange. You know, I, I hear about these actors, and, and the I'm the farthest thing that that I am is a an award winning actor. But I hear about people that are in movies and, and they go into character and they won't get out of character. I think how strange would that be to just walk around the set and and you have to talk to him as his character <laughs> and his character's name. You know, it's like how weird are you? I kind of look at baseball players that way. Yeah, it's your day, and if, and if this gives my team the best chance to win, you being weird like this and, and <laughs> being in your meditative zone, then by all means, go do it. But as a guy to guy, I think you're a little strange if you have to do that. I, I, I would feel weird like, hey, everybody know that this is my day today. I pitch once every fifth day, and today's my day, so you can't speak to me. Seems a little strange. But you know what? We're made up of a bunch of different personalities. 
And and like I said, it's all about winning the game. It's all about seven to ten every night, getting the W on the board. And if that's what it takes, well, then I'll put up with with my strange teammates. <laughs> Whatever works for you. That's right. Um, I am for the most part agnostic when it comes to teams. Uh, like I grew up rooting for the Reds when I was really young, and then the Mets in the eighties. But nowadays, I really don't have any rooting interests. But I was thinking about the Baltimore Orioles last night, Brett, and. Just like as a fan of my generation, I'm excited for the Orioles to, to watch them in the playoffs because it's a combination of like youth, you know, a, a bunch of really with Rutschman and, and Henderson and young players that are really arriving in on the scene here in a big way. And that it's just been so long since you had, you had a, a minute there with Baltimore when they lost to Toronto uh, here and there. But really, for the most part, for like decades, the Orioles have just not been there. So, um, what do you think of them? I mean, best record in the American League, without a doubt, second best record in all of baseball behind the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I, I have nothing but positive things to say about this Orioles. As you as you mentioned, they have not been in baseball headlines for a lot of years now, and I think there's so many feel good stories this year. Rangers being another one, Cincinnati Reds uh, being another one that that are top their division. We haven't heard from them in, from them in years and years. Arizona kind of toying with, with that, uh, with that wild card. Uh, just a lot of feel good stories. The end of the day, yes. Right now, second best record in all of baseball. I love the young play, some of the young players and them coming along. I think that bullpen is really elite. Uh, they just added Flaherty at the, at the trading deadline from St. Louis. Hopefully he reverts back to that, that 2019 where you could really count on him. He's been dinged up and not been able to have a, uh, a full season since 19, but really a talented guy they got uh, for the front end of that rotation. But I believe this team up and down. I look at the pitching, they're kind of middle of the pack for the American League. I look at the hitting, uh, they're good, but they're kind of middle of the pack. They play really good defense, but sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. I've been on teams like that where there's something about you. It doesn't mean you have to be number one in every offensive category or you have to be one in every pitching caddy category. There's just something special about a group of guys that when you take the field, it's a look, it's a smile, it's a wink, like there's something special going on here. I think Baltimore has that. They kind of have the flair for the dramatic. They're winning those close games this year. And as a result, they, they've got, like you said, not only the, the, the best record in the American League, but the second best record in all of baseball. So I think it's a real feel-good story, but a little more than that. For me to put it, you know, look into my crystal ball, I think in the end, they, they're short on pitching. I think mm-hmm. there's better teams out there. I think the Atlanta Braves, for me, and all of baseball, are clearly the best team. But I, I would just take some other teams uh, to go up against Atlanta before I put Baltimore in. doesn't mean I'm rooting against. It just means that's what my brain tells me yeah. when I look at everything on, on paper. They've got a lot of work to do still to win their division. Whoever wins the East, though, is going to get a bye, almost definitely. It's just amazing the imbalance this year, East and West divisions, except for Oakland, versus the Central, where 500 pretty much is uh, in first place. All right, Brett, we made it work. Thanks for your time, and I'll talk to you again in a month. You got it. appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast, an Odyssey original. Make sure to follow the Brett Boone Podcast on the Odyssey app, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The phones, the phone broke down a little bit. I don't feel like I have my fastball at all today, but, uh, you gotta, you gotta pitch through it. All right. I'll stop with the baseball metaphors.